All right, welcome to TYT Interviews. We've got a great one for you guys today. Bill Press is in the studio. Bill, great to have you here, brother. Nice to see you, Jake. Yeah, right. Here we are, back in LA. That's right, <laughs> where you got started. In fact, I want to talk to you about that a little bit. Oh, all right. Okay, okay. but for, okay. first I want to explain to folks the new book out from the left by Bill Press, in Life in the Crossfire. You described yourself as, when you were younger, as a Soldier in God's army. Okay, <laughs> what in the world? Okay, raised a Catholic, mm -hmm. uh, altar boy, the whole nine yards. Uh, went to Catholic high school. Um, didn't go to Catholic grades, but Catholic high school. And uh, when I got out of high school, I decided um, I, I admired the priest who taught the high school. I I I, I thought they had a pretty good life, so I thought. Uh, Oh, this couldn't be not bad way, uh -huh. way to go. So I joined the seminary, studied for the priesthood. That's what I mean. I was a soldier in God's army, and I. Uh, it took me nine years before I realized. So I mean, I gave it a good shot. It nine years me, is a long time. Not, yeah, that's a, that's a big slice of life, and it took me nine, nine years before I realized that that's really not what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, and so. Uh, I left. Two more questions about that as we then we'll speak. That was a great career. experience, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a long time, but no regrets. I mean, I learned a lot, I traveled a lot, I grew a lot, got a good education, and it sort of set me up, I think, for what followed. How long does that the seminary last? And then do you, well, so nine years is a long time. Did you become an official priest at no, some point? I was never ordained. So it, there are various lengths of time. Jesuits, it's 13 years before you're ordained. What? Yeah. Jesus. Uh, I was a, uh, a member of a group called the Oblates, and it's 11 years. Uh, so I left nine. Those are not the guys who beat themselves, right? No. Like the, the, that's Flag stay. Flagellation? Okay. No, no. I don't, no, no, no. I wasn't, <laughs> okay. I, I wasn't that serious. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, if I had stayed the uh, two more years, I would have mm -hmm. been ordained. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, it's so close. Right. Okay. But you know what? So then I got, it, I don't know, jumping ahead maybe, but I left the seminary, went to San Francisco teaching school, and then got involved in politics. And you know, if you think about it, a lot of people get involved, join the seminary or go to a nun or whatever, that, that get involved in politics for the same reasons. A lot of it is about public service to be to, the, mm -hmm, the good part. Mm -hmm. And the other is about the ego gratification. Of being looked up to, respected, revered in some cases, and, and all of that. And this is why I was surprised. Not maybe I should not have been surprised when I did get involved in the politics. There were a lot of former priests, former brothers, former seminarians in there, including um, sorry about that. It's okay. um, like Jerry Brown, for example. Oh, is that right? I didn't him. know that either. Jerry's former seminary. What that the first candidate I ever supported worked in Eugene McCarthy for president, former seminarian. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So. so, well, that's partly what I was going to uh, get to, which is, uh, so you're going down that road at that point. Um, are you already a liberal, or were there parts of you that were conservative, partly due to that uh, process and that upbringing, or same positions? It was just happened to be back in the day that you know you could be religious and etc. By the way, not just back in the day, also yeah. today, a yeah. lot of the right. reverends right. are very liberal. I talk about that in the book. That, 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 in a certain extent, is what the book is all about. My odyssey, if you will, from no, I was not a liberal at that time, not a progressive at that time. I grew up in a small town, on the, a segregated town on the mm. banks of the Delaware River. 
uh, a very with a very conservative family. My my parents were Republicans. My grandfather was a Republican mayor of our small town. And as a Catholic, you know, I was taught pretty strict uh, religious doctrine like homosexuality is not just should not just be illegal, but a mortal sin. You know, no sex outside of marriage. Uh, I mean, abortion. God, never, never, never. Masturbation. I mean, all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And it was only um, to a pro progression of things that I realized <laughs> maybe the uh, I just didn't believe that crap, right? Mm -hmm. And and gradually moved. But one one big thing, for example, as a college student, seminarian, I wrote a letter to Lyndon Johnson supporting the war in Vietnam, right? Mm. I went to, I went to, I was lucky. I got sent to Europe to study theology. Hitchhiked around France the first summer I was off. Ended up with some college students in Reims, France. And they, they, so we started talking about Vietnam. And I was defending the war. And they said, Are you crazy? Don't mm -hmm. you remember? Do you ever hear of Dien Bien Phu? We've been there. We did that. Mm -hmm. And they, we talked like almost all night long. And they convinced me this war was just absolutely insane. So I came back and became part of the anti-war movement. But so I learned a lot and gradually became through working with McCarthy, working with Jerry Brown, all the way up to the Bernie Sanders campaign last year. Yeah. You and I, you know, became a full-blooded. I think by the time I went to work for Jerry Brown, I was out of the closet as yeah. a liberal, if you will. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask about next because um, it, it's interesting because the a lot of people in America associate Christianity with the right wing now because of how strong the evangelical Christian yeah. community is in, in pushing in that direction. But a lot of Catholics are are anti-war. I mean, the Pope is anti-war, and and not just this Pope, but even conservative popes were against the Iraq War, etc. So in the Catholic strain, there is a very strong liberal contingent as well, although not liberal on the issues, the social issues that you mentioned. Yeah, a few years ago, I wrote a book about that whole thing, which really, because of my seminary background, really bothers me is that the, the organized religion has been hijacked by the extreme right wing, right? The evangelicals yeah. today, it's disgusting, it's disgraceful. Franklin Graham, you know, James Dobson, and all of them. How they could support Donald Trump, who's the most unethical, immoral person we've ever had in public office. And they do it for all kinds of phony reasons. They say, well, he's just a baby Christian. You can't expect him to be perfect, right? Or <laughs> that's yeah. the thing I didn't know that. Oh, oh yeah, I've heard baby Christian. That's okay. James Dobson, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, come on. And Frank, well, he's a baby. I'll grant him that. And Franklin Graham says, yeah, Franklin Graham says, well, he says he didn't do it with Stormy Daniels. Therefore. Oh well, that's, I, okay, great. That's, he didn't do it, right? Yeah, I'm sure he gave Val Franken the same benefit. And, and what offends me is because I think if you look at now the organized Catholic Church today, particularly, you know, I got a lot of problems, but they still, particularly on anything to deal with human sexuality, they're still in the 18th century. I mean, yeah. come on, right? Even this Pope, right? Uh, but. On other issues, there's a strong progressive liberal tradition there. The civil rights movement, the black churches and the Catholic and the rabbis, you know, they were all together right. in that, yeah. right? Um, look at immigration. Roger Mahoney, who's a disgrace here as the cardinal of Los Angeles. But I knew him when he was working with Jerry Brown, and he, he articulated, like led the Catholic Church in terms of pro-immigrant sanctuary cities, churches, you know, reaching out to immigrants, the farm worker movement. You know, the Catholic Church was really strongly behind that. So there is a strong progressive tradition. Uh, unfortunately, it's sort of 
because they're all men in power. It kind of stops when human sexuality comes along. I think they'll get over it someday, but in yeah. our lifetime. Yeah, that anti-masturbation stance is not working out for them in terms of gaining popularity. But neither is the anti-birth control stance. I mean, the fact that the Catholic Church still says no form of birth control is acceptable. And every poll has shown that 95% of Catholic women practice some form of birth control. Yeah. No, Men and women, one would hope. But anyway, yeah, yeah, that's right. No, like so. then we're going to get into the preposterous stance of all the religions, etc. Because come on, really, what century we're living in? And it's really interesting to hear you talk about how respected but, a priest was back in the day, right? Because now I don't know that that exists. I certainly does not exist at the level that it used to. I no. mean, in the places I, where I've lived, and granted, it's definitely the coast and big cities. But the idea of looking up to a priest now is almost a punchline, as opposed to yeah. You oh know. yeah, yeah. Well, the church and the churches are empty today. I mean, which 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 proves that point. And then look at the at the the scandal, right, of priests preying on young boys and some girls, but mostly it was young boy. I mean, that whole thing and the way the Catholic Church handled that, including this pope, who just mm. admitted that he knew a bishop was guilty of this. And instead of turning him over to the authorities, he just assigned him somewhere else. And that's what happened across the board in yeah. here and in Ireland and in South America, Central America, all and every Catholic institution. But let me give you one example. And I talk about this. This was a powerful lesson for me is when I was just a kid in grade school, my mother was not a Catholic. She later became a Catholic. So my father was a Catholic. We went to church. My, our grandmother insisted, you know, we got the whole Catholic thing. And the priest used to say from the pulpit, we're Catholics. We only talk to Catholics. You don't talk, don't even socialize with, don't even talk to any Protestants, just a Catholic. <laughs> well, wait, my mother is home cooking pancakes. Uh, right, so when I get we get over to church, we want to have breakfast. She was and, Protestant in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So the lesson to me was question authority. Yes, Don't, seriously, yeah. and it and it stuck with me. That's not right. just religious authority, political authority. You know, when I go to the White House briefings, I don't just take that. From anybody, right? Yeah. I don't believe anything anybody automatically that anybody spews out. I don't care who they are, particularly people in authority. That's, so. that's exactly right. <laughs> so let's now complete the, the discussion of your evolution because so you obviously people know you for Crossfire on CNN, Spin Room on CNN with Tucker Carlson, my new friend on, on the issue of Syria. God, yeah, you and Tucker. Right. You know, kind of. <laughs> okay, okay, let's cool that. Uh, and then of course Buchanan and Press on MSNBC, but you were also chairman of the California Democratic Party. Mm. But but what people might find most interesting is that a couple of Bernie Sanders' original strategy sessions on running for president were done in what your living room or your kitchen? In the living room. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's a quick story about how that came about. Sorry. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So so you know Bernie um, is was always one of the and still is as you know one of the strongest supporters of progressive media, progressive television, progressive mm -hmm. radio. And he's the one guy, he was the one senator that we could count on. We'd go see him and he'd pick up the phone and call these networks and say, come on, what are you doing? You don't have enough progressive voices on the air, right? And so we were talking, I was in his office one day talking about that. And I had heard these rumors that he might be thinking of running, thinking about it. And I thought it was a good idea, but I wanted to know. So we finished that little conversation about beating up on a couple of networks. And I said, now look, Bernie, Bernie, what's this you know, buzz? You might run for president. Bernie, 
sit down, Bill, sit down, let's talk. So, so um, we did, and he explained that this was 2015. Mm -hmm. I'm, yeah, no, not 15. Probably yeah, earlier 15. Than that. No, it was, March 15, maybe. Okay. So, um, 14. 14, sorry, you're yeah, right. Because he's 14. got a, in 2015, yeah. he's running he's in, in earnest. 14, right. Yeah. So uh, he explains that, look, there are a lot of these issues that we really care about. You know, single payer, Medicare for all, <laughs> minimum wage, all these issues um, that have to be out there in the middle of the campaign in 2016. And I know Hillary's not going to raise them, so somebody's got to do it. And he said, you know, I'm not necessarily, I talked to Elizabeth Warren, I'm not sure she's going to go. My feeling is if nobody else does, I'm sure you had this conversation with him. Um, maybe I'll do it. Oh. Mm -hmm. And I, so I said, "Good." once he once he agreed he'd be no Ralph Nader and not mm -hmm. run as an independent and screw the whole match. Uh, I said, you know, Bernie, what you ought to do if you're really serious is you got to get some people together who've been involved in presidential campaigns you never have uh -huh. and, um, and talk it over with them, get their ideas. So of course Bernie says, "Would you? That's a good idea. Would you put that together for me?" <laughs> it's a man of action. You're there sitting is, right, right there. You suggested what, it. Well, then run with it. Bill. And what could I say? Right? <laughs> yeah. So I. But what's interesting is I started calling friends that I knew who'd been involved, run presidential campaigns, have been involved in. You, you, you might be surprised. I mean, maybe you wouldn't be. But some of them told me, "Oh man, I'm afraid. I'm already supporting Hillary." This is oh. 14 hasn't oh. announced, or. This is surprising. Some a couple of people told me, "I'd love to come, but I'm afraid Bill and Hillary would find out I was there." Yeah, no, I'm not surprised by that. They, I mean, you Chicken know, wouldn't come. But we did get twelve brave souls who came. Yeah. Uh, Carol, my wife, cooked a great beef stew, and we had a little dinner there. April nine was the first one, 2014. And Bernie called me about a month later, and he said, "God, it was really good. I learned a lot. This was really good. Can we do another one?" <laughs> so we did another one over chicken cacciatore in our living room, and Jane was there, Bernie was there, and um, a few, as I say, brave souls, uh, political strategists. And I, I wouldn't say that's where the thing began, but it, it helped shape the ideas for the campaign. Well, that's a wonderful story. Um, and it, by the way, from the left is the book, and you'll be able to uh, read that as well as the rest of the story in the book. Um, and you know, everybody knows about Nixon's enemies list. But the Clintons have a significant enemies list, and I I'm afraid. I'm afraid I'm on it. Yeah, no, I'd be delighted to be on it. I, can someone, you're on it, thing? dude. Dude, you are on it. <laughs> <laughs> you and I both. You know, they they have a long memory. They don't forget, right? Uh -huh. And yeah. I supported. I mean, when I was Democratic state chair, Bill Clinton was in the White House. I mean, we did a lot of stuff together, with a lot of stuff with Hillary too. And certainly, I supported her in the general. Right, mm -hmm. I just felt we needed somebody to shake up the Democratic Party, give it a swift kick in the ass in the primary, and Bernie was the guy to do it. And boy, did he deliver. And that's right, he delivered in spades. So in talking about that evolution, now you're all the way at Bernie Sanders. Were you, once you had made the switch and then you're working for Jerry Brown you know, back oh, in the day, yeah. were you already at that point as liberal as you are today? You see what I'm saying? Or, or were there issues that you continued to evolve on? There were issues that I continued to, to evolve on. And, and one that you may not expect is, I still was pretty much of a hawk, even though I switched on the Vietnam War. But still, that Vietnam was, was really so manifestly a, a stupid idea, right? Mm -hmm. This whole mm -hmm. domino theory, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but I was still 
sort of, of uh, yeah, we're the toughest nation in the world. And sometimes, you know, we got to show our might and, uh, and supporting some interventions here and there. And I'll tell you who, I'll tell you where I, dis, I was disabused of that theory. On Crossfire by Bob Buchanan, Bob Novak, I'm sorry, and Pat Buchanan, who were on the right, but very much anti-interventionists. Uh, and so Pat and I, when we finally, when we got to MSNBC, and on the buildup to the war in Iraq, both of us opposed the war in Iraq for a lot of the same reasons, because we didn't believe the lies of George Bush and Condi Rice and Dick Cheney. And we were fired from MSNBC, Buchanan and Press, because they couldn't stand the fact that left and right, we, they, they, they thought we should have been out there cheerleading, you know, for USA, and we didn't buy it. Well, you weren't the only one, uh, <laughs> you know, famously there, Phil Donahue got fired for the same reason from MSNBC at the same time. Yep. Jesse yep. Ventura was not let on yep. air, Ashley yep. Banfield was not let on air. Yep. Uh, so MSNBC at that point was clearly, definitively the pro-war channel. Yeah, they were and, house cleaning. You yeah, know. I'm not at all surprised that Buchanan was part of that process, he's very anti-war. Uh, so wrong on, wrong on everything else almost, although he's come around. On medical marijuana, he's not on oh, recre wow. he's not on <laughs> recreational marijuana yet. He'll never get there, probably. <laughs> well, he is like that. Sounds like Diane Feinstein level of change, like glacial pace. She's 84 and saying, "Yeah, no, I'll probably get the Medicare for all at some later date." <laughs> Diane, yeah. let's pick up the speed here. Yeah. And of course, that's just a She'll not never true. Get there. Yeah. Um, so uh, at this point, I'm. Confused, and I think the whole country is as to what the Republican stance on war is, because right now they they have no stance on anything other than what Donald Trump says. But Donald Trump doesn't want to go into Syria, but the military-industrial complex is pushing him there. So, what is the is there such a thing as a Republican stance on intervention anymore? First of all, I don't think Donald Trump has a clue. Right, he doesn't mm -hmm. have any idea about. He can't even. Remember whether he was for the Iraq War or against the Iraq War. I yeah. say today, if you ask him, you don't know what he would say. It just depends on God knows where his you know, bird brain is at the time. Yeah. Uh, and the same thing on Syria. I mean, I guess he'd like to get out, but but then he says we're going to get out, and then Syria uses the chemical weapons, and then he says we're going to respond after after blasting Obama for telegraphing to the enemy what we're going to do. Obama never did. Halfway, what Donald Trump just did said, "Yeah, there's so many missiles that are going to strike within 48 hours." He almost said, "And here's where they're going to strike." And yeah. then, so far, as at this point, he's done nothing. I'm not. I don't think he should a military option. But in response to your question, I don't think the Republicans have. Uh, they don't have any real policy on for foreign policy, for particularly for the use of the military. And if they're looking to the White House for any direction, they're not going to get it. I mean, Donald Trump, every time he gets, I, I hear this from our friend, you know, at the White House briefings and talking to people and staff. They don't know on any given day until he walks in the office what the hell he's going to do or what he's going to do about what particular issue he's going to pick up or what he's going to do about it. They have no idea. Because he doesn't have any idea. Because he doesn't have any idea <laughs> until he watches Fox and Friends. Yeah, it's so sad. We're in a very, very sad state for this country. Before we're out of time, I want to get your thoughts on the evolution of the Democratic Party. So who, <laughs> who wins this fight between the establishment and the, and the Sanders wing? 
Um, I think I think the Sanders wing has won already in the sense that there are more progressives running today than ever before. That the uh, the issues they're talking about. Look, Gavin Newsom, who's running for mayor, governor of California, is talking about Medicare for all. I mean, that's a quantum leap forward. Good for him. Uh, and that's true in districts all across the country. So I think the agenda and the issues have already changed, but. There's still a lot of backfighting from the establishment and from the Hillary people who won't let go. And you know, I'll also say this, in some districts, if it's a Connor Lamb and he's not real Bernie, but he fits that district, that's okay with me as long as he is. I don't think we can force a Bernie or you or me in every single district. But well, here's what, I know we gotta go, but here's what I find really exciting. And here's what Bernie has done, the passion, the energy, the momentum is Alive today, more so than since the anti-Vietnam War days, and it's all grassroots. It's all coming up from the people, not from the top down. That's that's the victory for Bernie Sanders. Absolutely right. Uh, but I'm going to uh, ask a very specific question to end. Uh, 2020. Right. There's a <laughs> Sanders-like progressive win, or uh, someone who's still nominally in the establishment. If, or maybe solidly in the establishment. I, I think that if we want to win, the nominee for the Democratic Party has to be Bernie or a Bernie Sanders progressive. That's, that's true. Where, that's, that's where the country is today. That's definitely true. Well, are you but asking, who will win within the Democratic primaries? Of the candidates that are I'm out there today? I'm saying Sanders-like candidate yeah. wins or oh. an establishment type candidate wins in the Democratic primary. Um. I well, maybe it's wishful thinking, but I think people learned that when they went with the old school and the establishment in 2016, we should have won that. Should never have lost it. We would have won it if it had not been anybody but Hillary Clinton. If it had been Bernie, Bernie would have won. So don't make the same mistake again. I think that's where the Democratic Party is. Agreed. All right, everybody, check out from the left, Bill Press. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate hey, it. Great to see you, Jake. Thank okay. you.